next Sunday night, I'm going to speak on the Word again, just so you know. I may have a couple more messages just on the importance of the Word of God, because I am so convinced <laughs> it is so important. Because this is why we say, this, we believe, we believe, we believe. But if you lose confidence in the Word of God, there ain't much hope for you. Did, if you really know and believe this is the Word of God, you can trust it. You can trust. You can rely upon Him. You can rest in the Lord. You can cast all of your cares upon Him. Because you know He cares. Why? Because the Word says so. But if you begin to doubt the Word, then fear will consume you. If you feed your faith, doubts will starve to death. But if you feed your doubts, then your faith will starve to death. You ought to write that down. It is so important. I'll say it again. If you feed your faith, your doubts will starve to death. But if you feed your doubts, then your faith will starve to death. Do you get that? You stay around here long enough, you're just liable to get a, one or two little jewels every once in a while. I hope that when I get through, you have a, a great appreciation for the book that you have in your hands, the Word of God. Take your Bible and turn to the book of Galatians in chapter 1. For the last three Sunday nights, we've been talking about the Word of God itself and the power that it has, the importance of the book, and why we should believe it. You see, you'll live your life according to what you believe to really be true. And we're supposed to believe this book is true and base our lives upon it. You realize for 49 years I have been trusting someone I have never seen. But blessed be God, I've seen the Bible that I can't see. This is the visible Word. And we have His Word. And He cannot lie. So look there in Galatians in chapter 1, and look there in verse 11. Galatians chapter 1 and verse 11. The Apostle Paul, in writing the book of Galatians, this is what he said. He says in verse 11, But I certify you, brethren, or make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. In other words, the gospel that I'm talking about, this message that we tell, he says, I didn't get it from any man. I'm so glad to know that man did not originate the gospel. He says in verse 12, But I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. But he can't get it any better than that. I mean, Jesus Christ taught the Apostle Paul. He didn't learn it from the other apostles. He didn't learn it from other disciples. He learned it straight from God. He learned it from the Lord. So I believe that he has a, uh, a message that is divine, and we are supposed to believe that the message that we have that's written in this book is supposed to be true. Now, I am glad to know that the message that I preach is not the same one that everybody else is preaching. I believe that what we have is different. It is unique. You see, there's a lot of churches preaching a lot of things about how you're supposed to get to heaven, but whenever they teach you can lose your salvation, or you can be saved today and lost tomorrow, they don't understand it at all. They haven't got a clue. So the gospel 
is that a man can have eternal life as a free gift without his works. You mean he doesn't deserve it. He doesn't earn it. He doesn't work for it. And whenever God saves you, he saves you forever and gives to you the free gift of eternal life. And you can know that you're going to heaven when you die. I know that I have eternal life. I know I'm going to heaven when I die. And I know that between now and the time that I die, there isn't anything I can do that can send me to hell. I had some people the other day that says, well, then what's to keep you from doing all those bad things? I says, because I don't want to. Uh, the one guy asked me, he says, I got you. I says, go for it. He said, if you commit murder, where would you go? I said, I'd go to heaven. He said, I mean, you mean to tell me if you kill somebody, you still go to heaven? I said, yes. I said, if I did get there, it'd be grace, wouldn't it? I said, by grace are you saved through faith. I says, I don't deserve to go to heaven. Nobody does. But I'm glad that God's able to save a, a murderer, an adulterer, a homosexual. God can save anybody and give them eternal life. And he gives it to you as a gift. It's totally free. You don't earn it. You don't work for it. The best news in all the world. Take your Bible and turn to the book of 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter and chapter 1. I showed you this verse before, but I want to show you again because of where I'm headed. In 1 Peter chapter 1, look there in verse 23. Verse 23, I want you to see the importance of the Word of God and why we use the Word of God. He says, being born again, not bored again, but born again. Not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the Word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. So the Word of God is incorruptible. It lives and abides forever. So when you trust Christ as your Savior, your new birth is born of God. And if it's born of God, it lives and abides forever. So your new birth lasts forever. I asked a guy one time, I says, uh, do you tell your children how to live before they're born? He says, of course not. I says, but see, you're trying to tell people how they're supposed to live in order to be born. In order to get to heaven, you're trying to tell people how to live. I says, you have to be born into God's family. Then you can teach God's children how they're supposed to live. But you don't live a certain way to get there. It's because I am a child of God. I have eternal life. I just believe that if I'm a child of God, I ought to live like it. I think I ought to act like it. I think I ought to talk like it. But if I don't, I'm so glad to know that I'm still going to heaven. Not because I love God, but because He loved me. He loved me that much that He had never cast me out and never lose me. Boy, I like that. So he says in verse 25, But the word of the Lord endureth for how long? Forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. So when we preach the gospel, we're telling them something, how that if they'll believe it, they can be a child of God for all eternity, forever. That's the only way you can be sure of going to heaven whenever you die. Boy, that's good news. Turn in your Bible to the book of Matthew now in chapter 12. Matthew and chapter 12. We just finished talking about a little of this because of Resur Resurrection Sunday. And um, we talked about Jonah last Sunday morning on Jonah. Run, run, run. Remember, he ran from the Lord. He ran to the Lord. He ran with the Lord, and he ran ahead of the Lord. Boy, there's a lot of Christians like that. 
In Matthew, in chapter 12, look what he says. In verse 38, Then certain of the scribes and of the Pharisees answered and said, Master, we would see a sign from thee. We want a sign. Well, wouldn't you like to see a sign? You know what? If I had the ability to walk over here and walk right out there and stand in midair, I think you'd be impressed. And if I told you I'm going to do it again next week and I'm going to walk down the aisle right there, three feet above the air, of the floor, and everybody can see me, I'll bet you this church would be packed. It'd be packed because everybody wants to see a miracle, to see a sign. And here's what he said. Ooh, this is going to hurt now. In verse 39, Then he answered and said to them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. Ooh, well, that was strong. And there shall no sign be given to it but the sign of the prophet Jonah. In other words, he said, If you have my word, believe my word. And he says, an evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. But look what he says in verse 40. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So this became a sign of uh, the resurrection of Jesus Christ and how long he'd be in the grave. Three days and three nights. Now look in verse 41. The men of Nineveh shall rise up in judgment. Now the men of Nineveh, Somebody went and preached to the people in Nineveh. What was that man's name? Lot? Moses? Noah? Jonah! All right, we got the guy. Got Jonah. Jonah is just set up there in verse 40. But he says, The men of Nineveh shall rise up in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, a greater than Jonah is here. In other words, it looks like the people in Nineveh, in the day of judgment, someday in the future, at some judgment, those men are going to testify about the other people who heard somebody that was greater than them, and you didn't believe it, but we heard Jonah, and we believed it. And who was greater than Jonah? Behold, a greater than Jonah is here. Who was greater than Jonah? Jesus. He says, I am here. And I'm greater than Jonah. But they had Jonah, and they believed. You have me, Jesus, and you will not believe. Now look what else he says. Verse 42, the queen of the south. This is Bathsheba. Not Bathsheba. Sheba. The queen of Sheba. The queen of the south shall rise up in the judgment with this generation and shall condemn it. Do you know it's showing you if this is true? Isn't there a possibility if this is going to happen that there's going to be some people sitting in judgment on others? Not to determine their destination, but to declare to them, look, you had more light than they had. And you didn't believe, but they did. There's going to come a time when at the great white throne... That I believe will be there, and there's going to be all these people. And there's going to be a judgment taking place. And he says, she is going to rise up in judgment and say something. The men of Nineveh, they're going to say something because of what they heard. You see, we, we don't have a clue yet of all the things that's going to take place and transpire in the future. But I know I'm going to be in heaven. I know I have eternal life. 
But the understanding of how God says, even we shall judge the angels, we shall judge the lost, the world. First Corinthians says so. But if all this is true, see, there's another world out there that we're not even knowledgeable of yet, of what's going to take place. But what do I have? Why should I believe that? Jesus said it. If he says it, it's got to be true. And I believe that what he says is true. Look in Matthew chapter 4. Just turn to your left there, just a few pages, to Matthew and chapter 4. And you notice there in verse 1. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. So he went into the wilderness. He knew what was going to happen. He's the Lord. And the devil was going to tempt him. But it, look what happened. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterwards he was hungry. Well, wouldn't you be hungry? I'm, I'm hungry after 40 minutes. I get very hungry. 40 days? Whew. And he says in verse 3, And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, if you're the, who you claim to be, command that these stones be made bread. Well, didn't Jesus have the ability to take stones and make bread out of them? He could have done that. If it had been me, I probably would have. Or, boom, there's a McDonald's. Or a Burger King. I like Burger King better than McDonald's. But you'd be surprised. Jesus allowed himself to be tempted. And then he says in verse 4, But it, he answered and said, It is written. You ought to underline those words. It is written. That means in the Old Testament, previously worded there, a man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. In other words, he put his stamp of approval upon the Old Testament. And wherever that verse is found, he put his approval. This is true. You can believe it. Jesus knew the Scriptures. But you know who else knew the Scriptures? The devil. The devil knows the Word of God. And he twists a lot of things in the Word of God. Look what he says in verse 6. And the devil said unto him, Jesus, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written... He shall give his angels charge concerning thee. And in their hand they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou shalt dash thy foot against a stone. Alex, I was over at his house yesterday. God bless them. They're really going through some fire right now. And he had got up to go outside a little bit, and he had his walker. And anyway, he stumbled, hit his toe, and split it wide open on the bottom of it. So they had to get the hospice to come out there, and they had to stitch it up for him. And just so easy just to stub his toe. The devil says, the angels are watching over you, lest you even stubbed your widowed toe. Why don't you just cast yourself off of that up there, that pinnacle? The angels are going to catch you. It'd be like me saying, oh, I'm in the hands of the Lord. Nothing can happen to me if God doesn't want it. So I can go to the very top of the Empire State Building and jump off. Tempt not the Lord thy God. I jump off. Whoo! Halfway down. So far, so good. But you know and I know I've got an appointment with the ground. 
I don't believe that God's going to send His angels and bear me up lest I hit the pavement. I believe it'll be smack. Jump in front of a Mack truck. Well, when it's my time to go, I'm going to go. But if God doesn't want me yet, it's not going to happen. Don't you tempt the Lord thy God. That is stupidity. Here's my thumb. Here's a hammer. God, if you don't want me to hit my finger, it will not hurt and I will not feel it. <laughs> you know, there's people that are stupid. Christians that do that in their life and making wrong decisions and thinking that there's no consequences to it. Nothing's going to happen. Once you trust Christ as your Savior, you are a child of God. And as a child of God, there's a price to pay. Now, there's a little story that I usually sometimes tell with little bitty kids. So I'm going to pretend for a moment you're just a bunch of little kids. Because you're just big kids grown up, that's all you are. But you see, you need to understand you should always obey the Lord. And if you don't obey the Lord, there's a price to be paid. Well, one time, there's this little, little monkey. And this little monkey says, Mama, I want to go down to the river. She says, don't you ever talk like that again. You're not going down to the river. Why can't I go down to the river? Because you go down to the river, there's a crocodile down to the river. And crocodiles, they got big teeth. And they got a big mouth. And they like to eat little monkeys. They're long like a log. And they float down the river like a boat. He says, I don't, I don't believe there's no such thing as a crocodile. My mama just don't want me to have no fun. I'm going to go down to the river anyway. So he ran away from home. He jumped on his monkey vine. Oh, 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 and through the jungle he went. Came upon this great big old animal. It was big, huge, like a house. Had big old legs on it like a tree. Had great big old ears like a banana leaf. Had a tail looked like a rope. Had a long nose. What kind of an animal, animal was that? It was an elephant. He said, Mr. Elephant, which way to the river? He said, oh, little monkey, you don't want to get down the river. You get down the river, there's crocodiles. You've been, you've been talking to my mama. Y'all making this all up. I'm going to get down the river anyway. He said, oh, little monkey, don't get down there. He said, there's crocodiles. He says, what do they look like? He said, well, he said, they got little beady eyes. And they got teeth like a lion. And they got a big mouth. And they like to eat little monkeys. And they're long like a log. And they float down the river like a boat. He said, you've been talking to my mama. I don't believe no such thing. I'm going down the river anyway. So he jumped on his monkey by him. Through the jungle he went. Came upon this great big old animal. It was long. He had real tall neck, real long neck. Way up high. Eating out the top of the trees. What kind of an animal was that? It was a giraffe. He says, Mr. Giraffe, he says, which way down to the river? He said, oh, little monkey, you don't want to go down the river. Go down to the river? He says, there's crocodiles down there. He says, oh, y'all making all this up. Y'all just don't want me to have any fun. He says, what do they look like anyway? He said, well, he said, they got little bitty eyes. And they got teeth like a lion. And they got a big mouth. And they like to eat little monkeys. And they're long like a log. And they float down the river like a boat. So he said, I'm going down there anyway. I don't believe none of y'all. He jumped on his monkey vine and he went down to the river. And the sun was just going down. And he got down to the river. Ah, oh, 
Now he knew why his mother didn't want him to go down to the river. As he got up to the bank and he walked out on this log, he looked down and he saw his pretty face. He saw his face in the, the water. He says, why, I'm the prettiest little monkey in the whole world. Boy, am I pretty. This is why my mommy didn't want me to come. And all of a sudden he realized that the log he was standing on began to move. It went out to the middle of the water and he's on this log. So he looked a little closer and had little beady eyes. He looked again and had teeth like a lion. And he had a big mouth. And he was floating down the river like a boat. I wonder what happened to that little monkey. Boys and girls, you want to know what happened to the little monkey? You come back next Sunday, and I'll tell you. And I'll have a lot of the little kids come up and say, What happened to the little monkey? I said, What do you think happened to the monkey? I think he ate him up. And that's what happens to a lot of God's people. They play the silly little game, and they never listen to the warnings of the Lord. You have a great Bible education. I've heard y'all brag about Hank. Did you know the more you brag about Hank, the more light you're saying you have? And the more light you have, the more responsibility you have. You should do more because you know more. Yes or no? Yeah. So this church ought to be able to set the place on fire. Because after all, look who you are. Look what you know. Look how you've been blessed. And so there's so much more that we can do. God has been really good to her. So he says, it is written, it is written. Look what he says down in verse 10. Then said Jesus unto him, get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. So Jesus always quoted the scripture. That's how you defend yourself. Hide thy word in thine heart. How all shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed according to thy word? Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. So you learn the scriptures. It is truth. It can sustain you. It can help you. Take your Bible and look there in Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. Since we're right here in Matthew. Matthew chapter 24. Look there in verse 15. Verse 15. In verse 15 says, Wherefore ye, when ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by who? Daniel. So now he's put his approval upon the book of Daniel. That means Daniel contains about the lion's den, the three Hebrew children. What he's saying is, it's true. The book of Daniel, it is true. Who said that? Jesus said it's true. You know, I don't have to have all the higher critics of the day telling me what to believe and what not to believe. I'm just going to believe the book. I'm going to believe the book. And when he makes a statement here, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, well, that's in the book of uh, Daniel in chapter 9, around verse 27 and 28. This is talking about the abomination and desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet and in the holy place. Uh, that's going to happen yet in the future. Jesus is saying, this is true. You can believe the word. You can trust the word of God. Well, if you can believe it and trust it on these things, you can believe it and trust it on a... A lot of other things also. Look in verse 35. Same chapter, but just look in verse 35. In verse 35, it said, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words. 
You're on the line knows, my words shall not pass away. That means his words is incorruptible, abides forever, forever settled in heaven. The word. Now look there in Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. Boy, these are tremendous verses. I love these verses. Look what he says in verse 25. The book of Luke chapter 24 in verse 25. And notice what he says down in verse 25. Then he said unto them, this is after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He's talking to two, these two guys that have no clue who he is. They couldn't understand who he was at the time. And he said, O fools and slow of heart to believe. To believe what? You ought to underline this. All that the prophets have spoken. Jesus, when he went into the temple in the book of Luke, he said that Isaiah said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and he hath anointed me to preach the gospel. Blah, 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 blah. So he put his stamp of approval upon the whole book of Isaiah, saying that that is true. Here he says, You fools, you're slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. So now we have him putting his stamp of approval upon the, all the prophets. And not just that. Look what he says in verse 27. And beginning at Moses, which is the law, and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the thing concerning himself. So now he's put his approval upon the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, and now he's put his stamp of approval upon the prophets. Oh, wait a minute, there's the, the law, and there's the prophet. What, what, wait a minute, what about the Psalms? Oh, he left them out. Look at verse 44. And he said unto them, These are the words, words, which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written, which were written. So we're supposed to believe that what was written is the truth. When Jesus was here, he did not correct the Old Testament. There wasn't one book he corrected because it was wrong. No, every one of them is the truth. And he says here, which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in... Oh, boy, am I glad he threw that in there. And the Psalms concerning him. So Jesus just put his stamp of approval on the whole Old Testament. He talked about Jonah and he talked about Noah. Say, so where did he talk about Noah? What, Matthew 24, remember? As it was in the days of Noah... Well, what about Lot? As it was in the days of Lot. It's all there. So Jesus put his stamp of approval upon everything that people have questions about. Well, I wonder if that was real. It was all real. Look in uh, John chapter 10. Well, on your way to John chapter 10, stop in chapter 5. Chapter 5 has got a couple of good little verses that will do your heart good. Look in verse 39. Verse 39, search the scriptures. Why would I have to search the scriptures if they're not true? Evidently, I'm supposed to believe them. Now, he's talking to the Pharisees because they didn't believe on him. So he told them, he says, search the scriptures. For in them ye think ye have eternal life. They are they which testify of me. So he says, if you believe the scriptures, then why don't you believe me? They tell you all about me. 
So he said in verse 40, And ye will not come to me that you might have life. You can't have life just because you got a Bible, just because you went to church, just because you mean well. Life is in a person. It's in Jesus. And you can't have eternal life unless you accept Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is eternal life. That's why when you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have eternal life because He is eternal life. He said, He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son hath not life. So whether you have eternal life or not depends on whether you have the Son. But if you got the Son, you got the life. And He said, I'll never leave you and never forsake you. So I can't get rid of eternal life. Don't that make sense? I preached a sermon the other day. And really, it, 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 it burned me. Kind of got all over my toes. I've had people, they leave the door and say, Ooh, you really got on my toes today. And sometimes I preach a sermon, I thought, Ooh, that did hurt. Because it refers to me too. So here in the a book of John, look, look, what, look what he says. I want you to see this down here in verse uh, 45. Do not think that I am a will accuse you to the Father. There is one that accuses you, even Moses, in whom you trust. Now that's the law. He says, you supposed to trust Moses? Look what he said. For had ye believed Moses, you would have believed me. For he what? Wrote of me. So that's why when you read the Old Testament, you can see Christ all the way through it. All the types even to the very, the temple, the, the temple. And that's why he says, and the word became flesh means tabernacled among us. That was Jesus Christ, the flesh. In the temple, I mean, whether it was the, the showbread, I mean, that's the bread of life and the light of the world, the candlestick. It's, it's all about Christ. Everything is Christ. He says, and Moses told you all about me. He said, if you knew Moses and you believe Moses, you'd believe me. He says, Moses told you all about me. Look what he says there in verse 47. But if ye believe not his writings, so are we supposed to believe the writings? The word. We got the word. That's why Peter talked about, I was there on the Mount of Transfiguration. I saw the Lord when he was transfigured and became like as bright as the sun. And I saw Moses. I saw Elijah. He said, I saw all of that. He said, so I was an eyewitness of what I saw, what I heard, when the most excellent voice came out of heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. He says, But we, we have a more sure word of prophecy. More sure word. That which is written is better than what you can see and what you can hear. It's what we can read. Because the word of God is true. And we're supposed to believe that it is true. Look here in chapter 10. John chapter 10. I want you to see this. This is so good. Look at verse 28. Verse 28. And I give them eternal life. Not charge you. He gives you what? Eternal life. And get to the last part of that verse. They shall never, never. That means anytime, anywhere. Male or female or neuter if you don't know what you are. It's all included. <laughs> shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father were one. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered says, Many good works have I showed you from my Father, but which of these good works do you stone me? 
The Jews answered him, saying, Not for a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy. Do you realize what you're saying? You're saying you're God. You're making yourself God when you say that I and the Father are one. You're claiming to be God and said, That's blasphemy, and that's why we're going to stone you. So he says, What's so bad about that? Don't you know back there in the Psalms when he talks about the judges and the judges were ruling in the place of God? And he says that they were like God. And he says, ye are gods. In the psalm, talking about the judges. Not that they were God, but they were like as God because they made decisions of right and wrong. Because they got their message straight from the Lord. And they were judges. He says, that's in the book. Jesus knew the book. He ought to know the book. He wrote it. So he says here in verse 34, Jesus answered, is it not written? Is it not written? Ye are gods. He called them gods unto whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken. He says, the word of God can't make mistakes. The word of God has to be perfectly dovetailed. A promise in the word of God cannot go unfulfilled. God has to keep his word. Let me close with this one verse. Look there in the book of um, Titus chapter 1. Titus chapter 1 and verse 2. The book of Titus chapter 1 and verse 2. If God cannot lie, and this is his word, then his word cannot lie. Don't that make sense? If God can't lie, then his word cannot lie. It cannot be broken. It cannot fail. It is sure. Heaven and earth may pass away, but not his word. Look what he says there in verse 2. In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. See, God, before he ever made the first man, made a plan. And his plan was to save man. By grace and grace alone. Look, look up here. Maybe I'll just use this book. This is you and me. This represents our sins. All the bad things that we do. God says that all of us have sinned. And the wages of sin is death. Since we committed the sin, we owe it. We got a debt. We ought to pay for it. And the wages of sin is death. So that means everybody must die. And everybody will die. And that means an eternal separation from God. So God says that he loves us, but he hates our sin. But to go to heaven, we have to be without sin. We must be perfect. No sin. Heaven is perfect. God is perfect. But we are not perfect. We cannot save ourselves. Going to church does not pay for sin. Giving money will not pay for the sin. Living a good life will not pay for your sins. There's only one thing that God will accept for your sin, a death payment. Yours or somebody that can do it for you. Now, I wonder who could do this for us. See, I can't pay for your sin. Why? Because I'm guilty of my own. Well, let's let angel pay for everybody's sins. Sounds good to me. But he's got to pay for his own. There's a lot there. So he can't help us. Well, who in this room can help us? 
Who has not committed a sin that could take the place for us? Oh, I don't see anybody here. So God, because He loved us, God cannot die. So He said, I will come into the world and take upon a body. And he, Jesus said, a body hast thou prepared me. And it was prepared to die. Prepared to be a substitute for us. So Jesus Christ had no sin, didn't have to die. Came into the world because He loves us. He hates our sin because our sin separates us from Him. So Jesus Christ, who had no sin, didn't have to die. But He took all of our sins upon Himself and died in our place. How many of my sins did He take? All of them. And paid for all of them. Came back from the dead. And God said, if I would believe, He did it for me. He would put this payment to my account. I go to heaven because He paid for my sins. If He paid for my sins, I don't have any to pay for. That's why I can't go to hell. He paid for my sins. A man yesterday asked me, he says, he says, I got you. He says, what if you commit suicide? He says, because if you commit suicide, that's murder. You just killed yourself. How can you ask for forgiveness when you're dead? I says, is it a sin? He said, yes. I said, paid. Paid. He paid. Now, I do not advocate people committing suicide. If you listen to my sermon this morning, I believe there's an appointed time. Wait until your appointment. Don't rush it. Just let it happen. But it's going to come to all of us in a matter of time. But I'm so glad that there is the plan of salvation where Christ came and died and paid for the sins of the world. And we have a book that is true. We can trust this book, every bit of this book. Let's pray, shall we? Every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around. If you're here this evening and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, I'm going to ask you in just a moment to trust Him. You see, it's something that God knows about you. He knows everything you've ever done. He knows how you think, how you feel. He knows what you're going to do and still loves you. But when he died on the cross, he died for you. Will you believe he did, it? he did it for you? If you will believe he did it for you, God said he would save you from hell and give you the free gift of eternal life. You see, you get to go to heaven because of what he did for you. You didn't earn it. You don't deserve that. It's because God loves you so much. So in the quietness of this moment, with heads bowed, eyes closed, I'm going to ask you in just a moment to raise your hand. Raising your hand doesn't save you. It just lets me know that what I said made sense. And friend, I'd like to have prayer for you in closing. So is there anyone at all say, yes, I will trust Jesus Christ right now as my Savior. And preach, I'd like you to pray for me. Just slip your hand up very quickly and put it right back down. Anyone at all? Yes, God bless you, hon. You can put it down. Anyone else? If you trust Christ right now as your Savior, God said He would save you right now and give you eternal life. Anyone else? Our Father, we do thank You so much for all You've done for us, for the opportunity we have as Your children to come together to study Your Word. We pray that our faith in You will be strong, because faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. We need to believe that that's exactly what it is. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.